Welcome to the Longview Podcast, a show for Catholic school teachers, Catholic school teachers, and anyone who works to form young people in the faith. I'm Joe. And I'm Elizabeth, and we're here to bring you conversation, contemplation, and some food for thought. So grab your red pen, your favorite beverage, and enjoy. Hey, Elizabeth. What's up, Joe? It's been a while since we did one of these. <laughs> uh, yeah. Life's been busy, months. huh? Life, yeah, life's been a little crazy here at the beginning of the year, but we've finally gotten the ball rolling, so. Let's see. What do we got going on? Uh, the handle on our door fell off of our car. The third, the th- okay, our, our, our SUV has four handles, as most cars do. <laughs> Three of them have fallen off. And only two of them have been replaced. <laughs> so we yeah. have, we're, we're missing a handle on our that. car. That's just that. Big um, news at the Nava House. Yeah. I mean, lots of things have been going on. You know, no big deal. Church scandals, oh, crazy yeah. election stuff, <laughs> Supreme Court stuff. But hey, our son is potty trained. Oh, yeah. We potty trained our second kid. Tonight is his first night in underwear. <laughs> this could go badly. Big news. <laughs> Tell the world, all yeah. 12 of our listeners. Yeah, potty trained. These are the things you don't have to worry about when you live alone. <laughs> <laughs> hey, who's that? It's our, oh, I'm it's, sorry. Did I interrupt? No. Oh, my bad. No. I haven't been introduced yet. I'm so sorry. It's our excellent guest, Mr. Brendan Ryan, who's a good friend of ours from college. Actually, I met Brendan the same weekend I met my husband, Joe Nava, on our NDE, which, for people who don't know, is the Notre Dame Encounter. Really? Yeah, Brendan was, was in one? my small group. That was where I met Brendan. He's in my small group on NDE. Joe was the like coordinator of the retreat. Oh, wow. Uh, was that 97? 95. <laughs> NDE 95. 95. Oh, I thought you said 1997. No, no, not that old Joe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> NDE 95, back in the day. Back when they used to do NDEs, which they don't do anymore. Mm. Um, Brendan, welcome to the show. Thanks. It's my first podcast. Yay! <laughs> It's our first podcast, too. We've never had a podcast before. Well, this isn't our first episode, but obviously. Uh, we're, we are super excited to have you here to kick off our season two. Is this, this is officially season two. I yeah. didn't know that season one ended. Well, that's what happens when you wait four months to do another podcast. You just have to make oh, a new season. Oh, okay. I yeah. didn't know we had a, we a, a season break. finale. Mm-hmm. It was a season finale. Matt Reiki? No. I don't know who it was, but it was good. Ouch. Dan Foss. I think it was Dan Foss. Shout out Dan Foss. Dan Foss wrapped up season one, and here we are with Brendan Ryan, season two. Shouldn't you give like a little bio on Yeah. I'm going to throw it to Brendan. Brendan, oh. you're teaching high school again. You're back in the classroom. Tell us about what's going on in your life. What's going on in my life? Uh, I teach high school in Chicago. I teach at St. Ignatius College Prep. Uh, I teach um, sophomore scripture in the religious studies department. And then I also teach an introduction to engineering class in the science department. So it's the first year that our school is teaching this class. And um, I got to design it over the summer. Uh, If any of you listeners out there have any great ideas for engineering (laughs) class, I'm sure Elizabeth and Joe will put my info in the the, the show notes. Yes. The the show notes. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Hit me up. But uh, no, it's like a project based, um, learning class where we kind of dive into different engineering disciplines and uh, hands-on applications of uh, physics and math and science. It's been a lot of fun so far. Wow. It's a science elective. Yeah. It's uh, 
It's great. So you you started this, or you were asked to start this, or how does that work? I was asked to start it. Yeah, um, yeah. So they asked me to do it, and they didn't even give me like course outcomes or oh, anything that's awesome. like that. So you get full uh, creativity and yeah, it is awesome. But it's also kind of like terrifying. So I go into every day like thinking like, is this going to work? Is this not going to work? Um, and so far, things have worked for the most part. Uh, we just finished a tower building unit. Uh, I teach in downtown Chicago, so it's pretty cool to be able to mm. talk about. So a lot uh, of Jenga, Sears towers. Uh, yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. No, actually, like uh, the first, the first like unit we did a lot of stuff with um, cardboard. So the teachers that I share a classroom with were like, "So how's engineering going? Lots of cardboard. <laughs> yeah, lots of cardboard." <laughs> Like, uh, don't worry, we're learning. And then we switched to straws and pipe cleaners. So they were they were less impressed with the straws and pipe cleaners than they were there. But yeah, it's it's a good class. Is it is it hard to switch from you know one side with theology to the other side of you know faith and reason? I guess. Um, no, not really. Um, no, I studied engineering and theology in college, and not that like you know I'm not a natural at this at all. But um, no, I mean it's it's. Uh, I kind of see it as all integrated. And I think that hopefully being a good engineering teacher makes me a better religion teacher and vice versa. Um, yeah, we'll see. We shall see. Nice. Awesome. So tell us about, so you and I were ACE classmates, ACE 15, best class of ACE ever, history of ACE. Clearly. We've knocked yes. it out of the park. Uh, and you were teaching in Alabama, which there are not many Alabama ACE teachers left. So tell us about your time in ACE. Yeah, so I taught um, at Holy Family Cristo Rey Catholic High School. Um, we abbreviated it as HFCRCHS. Rolls off the tongue. In Birmingham, Alabama, I taught everything from pre-algebra to pre-calculus. Um, a great school, a very strong sense of mission uh, at that school. Um, very, very, very mission-oriented. So it's a small school, uh, 150 students. How long had they been uh, going when you when you got there? They had been in their, I think this was their, they were, they had been, they had existed as a school for like 50 years, but then they had just switched to the Crystal Ray model where you, um, the kids are in class four days a week and then they work a job on the fifth day. Um, they just, this was like their second or third year in that model. So still very kind of young, Mm -hmm. um, in that sense as a school. And, um, there were a lot of opportunities that come with being a young school for a, a young, zealous teacher like myself. So I, uh, I got to serve as the janitor for a couple of weeks. Um, I was the bus driver um, for the school for a while until Ace found out that I was doing that and then put an end to that. Um, what else? I started a baseball team despite having um, little to no baseball experience. <laughs> Um, we were terrible. We, we didn't, we didn't win a game in two years, which is funny now, but like, I actually like kind of think back of that and like, hope I didn't do damage to those kids. You know? Um, but a lot of life lessons and good times. Yeah. So then I, uh, I did that and then I, I moved back to Columbus, Ohio, where I'm from taught at a diocesan high school, a great school in uh, Columbus, Ohio for a uh, third year teaching. And then I was in uh, formation uh, for the priesthood. And religious life with the Congregation of Holy Cross for, let's see, I don't know, six years? I should know. But yeah, and then I, uh, I discerned out of the seminary and um, ended up in Chicago teaching at St. Ignatius. 
it's been a great, great fit. Really excited to be back in the classroom. Um, I love teaching. I, I really do. I am really lucky to be able to like drive home from work um, and just be as energized as I was driving into work. And, you know, I mean, being exhausted and all that stuff, yeah. but um, just thinking like, yeah, just love teaching. Did you it's, think it's a lot of fun? Did you ever think you would be a teacher? Like, was that ever on your radar? Uh, I did. Yeah, I, I did. I thought um, in college, you know, I thought about becoming an engineer uh, until about junior year. And then uh, <laughs> I thought about the priesthood and ministry. Uh, my parents are huge supporters of Catholic education. And I have 10 brothers and sisters who have all gone to Catholic schools from uh, mostly kindergarten through college, couple exceptions. Um yeah, so I mean, my parents have put us through 200 years of, of Catholic God, education. What? That's amazing. And um, yeah, I mean, at least I, I could, I had the number at one point, but uh, yeah, huge, huge supporters. And my mom, she never got paid by a school, but she was always at, working at school in the cafeteria or the lunchroom or something like that. Um, and then you have yeah, a brother so it's who's always been. One of your brothers is the principal, is that right? Yep. My, uh, my oldest brother is the principal of Brophy, uh, it's a Jesuit school in Phoenix. And then my younger sister is a teacher in Chicago, and she has also does some kind of you know educational coaching and whatnot in uh, at Lakewood Catholic Academy in Cleveland. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So, and my mom actually she uh, she is a substitute teacher now. She's kind of an on call sub in Columbus. Nice. Which, which she thinks is hilarious. Yeah. Man, this is I just love hearing about families who've dedicated their like their whole mission is you know, Catholic education, but you're, I love the background of your family though. Cause what's your dad do? Tell about your dad. My dad's a funeral director. Uh, so, <laughs> um, we didn't grow up in the funeral home, but we kind of grew up in the funeral home. So, uh, like we have a house that's like four miles away from one of the funeral homes. Um, but like in high school, my brothers and I would do, um, you know, all the maintenance and landscaping and we'd help my dad out. Um, you know, when they needed help in the middle of the night or, um, for whatever. So yeah, grew up around that really. Um, I guess I didn't, I think I knew it like intuitively, but didn't know it explicitly until college, like what a ministry my dad's job yeah. was. And um, I can remember we were painting one of the parlors and like being on the other side of a wall where my dad was meeting with a family and like, I don't know he's my dad. So like um, you just kind of have an image of, of your dad and like his like empathic skills kind of, um, <laughs> And like hearing him talk to this family, I was like, whoa, like that's, that's awesome. Yeah. It was really, really touching. Yeah. yeah and it's, it's a, it's a family business. So it's been in our family since the 1850s. Wow. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. Yeah. Really. Um, yeah, it's a great source of pride for our family. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What's your favorite part of teaching? Oh man. Um, <laughs> Not grading papers, <laughs> the worst. which I have a lot to do. Oh man. What's my favorite part of teaching? I think, um, I think my favorite part of teaching hmm, kind of put me on the spot a little bit here, but it's, um, it's maybe like the moment when it switches from when you're asking the kids in the homeroom, like what they're doing that weekend or like what shows they have coming up or what games they have or whatnot. Um, it's kind of when it switches to them um, coming in on Monday morning and like telling you about their football game mm -hmm. or telling you about their volleyball game mm -hmm. or something like that. Um, so them, them realizing that, that you are invested in their lives enough and like they're 
well-being and in their day-to-day that that they want to share things with you mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah I really I really enjoy the relationship and I think that uh, that's yeah I really I really like that connecting with students in a way that is um, it helps to convince them that you care not only about them but about the, the thing that you're teaching about um, it just makes it genuine yeah. it actually makes it a uh, kind of a dialogue rather than a hierarchical dump of knowledge yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) hierarchical dump of knowledge i would like to make that the name of this episode (laughs) (laughs) um no that's so true though i think in so many of the things that that joe and i do um be they teaching or other ministry things like it's it always just comes down to relationship like you can have the best RCAA program or the best Knights of Columbus or the best mother's ministry or the best, you know, math class, whatever, like empirically, you can be most effective at teaching math. But if you don't have an actual relationship with the people that you're ministering to, something's missing. And I feel Mm -hmm. like everything gets taken to the next level and becomes way more um, lifelong, impactful when, when you've actually made that relationship and people know that you care about them as a person and not just that they understand engineering or right. scripture or yeah. math or whatever. The, the thing that comes to mind like recently is, you know, there's, there's the student that you're working with that, you know, do this because I tell you to um, versus like, you know, the student does it because they trust you. <laughs> you know, at some point like, oh, like, you know, Mr. Nava thinks that this is what I should be doing or this is what's best. So then you know, there's that trust factor versus, you know, there's no relationship and it's just we're here on a contractual basis of I do this, I get this grade, you mm-hmm. know. So, um, yeah, I mean, you you have to build that trust. I mean, I'm six weeks in versus day one, they're still we're still kind of like, um, I don't know, checking each other out or something. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but especially when, you know, you kids fail and it's like, hey, you know, I want to help you trust me. Um, we'll get through yeah. this together type of thing. So, I know that uh, that was really important in uh, at the beginning of the year. I think it, it, it's so tough at the beginning of the year. You know, for us in Catholic schools, the abuse kind of mm-hmm. dam broke loose um, right at the beginning of the year. And I know that um, in our department um, at St. Ignatius, a lot of people struggle with, like, how do we, how do we talk to students about this? Um, not because we didn't have the words or because we don't know what to say, but because we didn't have the relationship. Mm-hmm. So I was commenting to one of my fellow teachers. I said, you know, it would almost be better if if we could all go back to the classes that we had in May mm-hmm. um, with the students who know us and trust us and we know them. And, uh, you know, they feel like they can speak freely in our class mm-hmm. uh, and like have this discussion with them um, rather than the ones that we have in August, because it's it's uh, there hasn't been the time to build up that relationship. So that dialogue isn't as fruitful or as, as trust-based. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah. Um, going back to relationships, so, you know, are you still in touch or do you keep track with, you know, say the, the, your baseball team back in the day? or? Um, you know, I, I don't keep um, in great touch. There's a couple of students that I still hear from. Um, I mean, Facebook, for better or for worse, um, you know, kids reach out occasionally. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, you know, there's uh, one student who was the second baseman who was um, he was a character. He's like the kid that we probably all had in class. He was pretty bright, but just never did his homework or applied himself. 
Um, and he ended up in the Navy and um, really has kind of done pretty, he's, he's, he's done some good stuff in the Navy. And I think, uh, yeah, you know, it's, uh, it worked out really well for him and I'm pretty proud of him. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. Sometimes you just got to take the long view. Yeah. The, the long view. view. I haven't done that in a while. Okay. <laughs> well, um, we should move on to our gospel for tonight. Um, so Joe's going to read the gospel for us and give us a little time to reflect. <clears throat> the gospel according to Matthew. A young man approached Jesus and said, Teacher, what good must I do to gain eternal life? He answered him, Why do you ask me about the good? There is only one who is good. If you wish to enter into life, keep the commandments. He asked him, Which ones? And Jesus replied, You shall not kill. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, All of these I have observed. What do I still lack? Jesus said to him, If you wish to go, be perfect, go, sell what you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the young man heard this statement, he went away sad, for he had many possessions. Jesus tells us, tells you to, if you wish to be perfect, sell what you have and give to the poor. Then come, follow me. What is difficult about this statement? What are those things in your life that we're still holding on to? What are those things that are difficult to give away? Jesus says, come, follow me. What is difficult about following Jesus? Gospel according to Matthew. A young man approached Jesus and said, Teacher, what good must I do to gain eternal life? He answered him, Why do you ask me about the good? There is only one who is good. If you wish to enter into life, keep the commandments. He asked him, Which ones? And Jesus replied, You shall not kill. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, All of these I have observed. What do I still lack? Jesus said to him, If you wish to be perfect, go, sell what you have, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the young man heard this statement, he went away sad, for he had many possessions. The Gospel of the Lord. Brendan, what was it about this gospel that stuck out to you as a teacher? There's so much about this gospel that I, I just love. And personally, um, it's been a really important one for me. Um, someone who's lived my life kind of focused on how do I gain eternal life or, you know, what do I still lack? All these things like I've done or at least tried to do, you know, everything, um, keep the commandments, all this stuff. Um, and it's not, the answer is not that I lack anything. Um, it's that, I'm holding on to too much. Um, and I think that's the thing 
uh, that, that I always come to in this image. There's an icon of, um, of Jesus talking to this rich young man, and, and, and uh, he's kind of guarding a pile of treasure, if you will. And uh, in my prayer, that's just such a powerful image. And I, I think of that pile of treasure, like what are the things that I'm holding on to? What are the things that are keeping me from um, coming or, or going and, and following Jesus? Um, yeah, so I, I just, I love it. I love this a lot. Um, I think as, as teachers, that's the question that we get all from our students is like, what do I have to do to be perfect? Mm-hmm. You know, like, what do I have to do to get an A on this? It's, it's like, that's, that's the wrong question. Um, not what do you have to do to, to get an A, but like, you know, what do you have to do to, to be yourself? Like, what are you, um, mm-hmm. like, what are the things that you're, you're, hiding behind like I think of all the essays that we ask our kids to write and they're so focused on on getting a good grade rather than on writing something that is true for them mm-hmm. um, you know like they ask what do I lack and it's it's not what they lack it's it's what their their attachments are um, yeah so in Jesuit education and Jesuit spirituality um, there's this first principle and foundation which um, which translation sure. do you prefer? <laughs> um, I believe it's the, I don't know, I think Fleming maybe. Yeah, David um, Fleming. Yeah, but the goal of our lives is to live with God forever. Um, and I I just, like, I think of that probably 20 times a day um, when, you know, you hear some announcement from the school or when there's a development appeal or when, you know, we publish, like, statistics about the school. And I just I keep thinking, like, the goal of our lives is to live with God forever. Like, what are we doing? as teachers uh, to, to help our kids and our teachers and our parents and our families and our whole community live with God forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and for me, this gospel um, really challenges me to do that. It, it challenges me to look at the things that I'm holding on to. Like what are the, the riches and the treasures in my life? And they're not always bad things. It's not, it's, it's not here. It's not sin. I mean, in the, in this reading, um, the Jews understood, you know, wealth to be a sign of blessing and Jesus is flipping that on its head. So like, what are the things even that we consider to be blessings in our lives that we're holding on to, um, that are, um, perhaps having us focused, um, in the, like nearsightedly rather than taking the long view, um, and looking the long view, the long view. <laughs> uh, but you know, having us look like towards heaven and not just towards the next week or the next year or something like that. But, um, yeah. Um, what, so there's so many follow-up questions because that's so hard. I think, I mean, we're earth- so hard, we're earthly people and we know we're, we're immersed in this culture and bombarded with messages to look at things in a very earthly way. So what, what I guess what, and, and this is usually the question I ask a lot of our guests is just what keeps you grounded? What keeps you, what keeps you close to Jesus? What keeps you seeing things through that, um, that heavenly divine lens, I guess, and not be, mm-hmm. you know, kind of, uh, you know, tempted, I guess, to just look things through that earthly and, and timely or yeah, the, the, the immediate versus the, the bigger, the bigger, deeper questions. That's a, a great question. Um, you know, I live um, by myself in Chicago, and um, it's uh, it's pretty easily pretty easy to like get isolated. I say so. Um, for me, one of the things that keeps me grounded is is community, and that's not just like the community of people uh, where I live, but the the community of 
of great friends and relationships that I have, um, you know, throughout the country and, um, family keeps me grounded. I've got a great extended family. My twin brother, I talk to him <laughs> just about every day. Um, and, uh, he's, he's awesome. Keeps me, keeps me grounded. Um, and then prayer. Um, I am someone <laughs> who, um, I, I constantly desire to be a better prayer. Um, and I don't think that I've ever figured it out. Um, but I, I really think that like maybe that humility for me is, is one thing that, that does keep me grounded. It's like knowing that I'm just terrible at it. And, uh, you know, and like I, I fail and I, I set goals and, um, but like that, that for me kind of becomes like the fruit of the prayer. It's like realizing that like we can't excel at our relationship with God. It's got to be God is reaching out to us and just us being open to it. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I totally, that speaks to me because it's that image of like, you know, we need to allow, I need to allow God in, <laughs> you know, it's like, I don't have to reach out because God's already there. It just, do I, do I allow God into my heart? And, and kind of exactly what you said earlier, it's like, well, what are those obstacles? What are those barriers that I'm hiding behind or putting myself behind where it's like, hey, you know, uh, here I am. Come talk to me. It's like, well, but I got this right here, and, and I'd rather spend time with this. You know, totally. The internet is just an amazing place. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oof. Right. Where did that hour go? Yeah. Have you seen the baby shark? I can listen to that for hours. He's not kidding. <laughs> I th I think um, you know one of the other things about this gospel is like the the first part of it is it's kind of like good versus bad. And then I look at the other part, um, like the second half after the young man, like responds to Jesus. Um, and it's kind of good versus good. It's like, how do we decide between two goods? You know, the first part, keeping the commandments, that's apparent. Yeah, we should do that. But the second part, um, I think causes us to, to look and see, are we choosing the greater goods in our lives or are we settling for something that is good, but is also maybe comfortable and we're avoiding something that is a little bit of a risk. Um, and I think one of the things that teachers have a, I don't know, a little bit of a benefit for is that, you know, we have like a, a very defined beginning and end of our year. Um, and we kind of live in like a, a little bit of a cycle that gives us some time to reflect on, on what we're doing and um, how we've done in the past year. I actually wrote a reflection on this for ACE at one point uh, in my teaching uh, and it, it's coming to mind now and I'm looking at it and it was, I was kind of thinking about as a teacher, you know, putting myself as the teacher in this situation and the young person comes and basically says like, okay, well, I finished my worksheet and my response is like, okay, but did you check your work? And they're like, well, yes, I did. And then I'm like, well, did you do it in cursive? And they're like, yes, I did. And uh, then I'm like, still trying to challenge them. All right, this kid is hitting every benchmark. Like they're doing everything I'm asking of them. How can I challenge them to the next thing? Um, and that's kind of what I see here. Um, like instead of my frustration with the student, like, I mean, Jesus is a little bit, he's like, you know, why do you ask me about the good? But, but he still continues to challenge that student and see what that child particularly needs in this, you know, in this story, he's talking to this young man and he, he reads this young man's heart and he actually continues to 
to, to do something individual for that child. And that's kind of what we're called to as teachers, to be really good teachers. It's not just to say like, well, I don't know, like, yeah, you're fine. Just turn it in. But it's like, how can I help this particular child to grow in a, in a way that's individual to that person and seeing them as, you know, not just, you know, one of, one of many, but as one important person in front of us. So. It's beautiful. Yeah, just that idea of like things that we're holding on to. I th I think perhaps our generation, I don't want to call myself a millennial. I really don't like that term, but we've been lumped into it. I have no choice. Um, there's kind of this movement of like minimalism. Um, in fact, I was thinking that today. I had cleaned out my refrigerator and I was like, oh, this is such a nice feeling. There's no food in my refrigerator. Isn't this beautiful? I should put this on my Instagram. Like, this is such a dumb thought. Like, my, my refrigerator has no food. I'm out of food. <laughs> and now I'm like, ooh, this looks good. I have no things. I'm like not holding on to the things. But the things that I am holding on to, there's still stuff I'm holding on to. It's just not the physical stuff. It's more like it's the it's the telephone. It's the pride. It's the... Um, desire to be acknowledged. It's the, um, you know, I don't know, you name it, Joe, because you know it, you see what I, what I hold on to, but. You're perfect in every way. Oh, hush. <laughs> Never leaving you. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, for our time, like, at this, you know, for, for our generation, like, minimalism is kind of held up as an ideal of, like, oh, get rid of all your stuff and you can KonMari your way into happiness and, like, just throw everything away. Um, but, you know, but there are so many other things that we're holding on to spiritually um, that it's not just the physical stuff that we're supposed to be um, leaving behind to follow Jesus. It's the clutter of our hearts. Yeah. I remember our priest talked, talked about... Um just the idols in our lives. And maybe that's a, a, a way to understand what you're saying too, is that, you know, even though we might not have those physical things like possessions, um, there's plenty that we idolize and we put above Jesus. Mm -hmm. It's like, Hey, you know, I could hang out with Jesus, but you know, I want to idolize myself. I want to idolize other people and, you know, just read and consume and, and I don't know, just, or just, be busy. Yeah. Achieve, check things off my list. Mm-hmm. And so, like, why why are those things more important than, you know, actually um, going back to, yeah, uh, what my path to, to being, to, to, to gaining eternal life, you know? And, <laughs> like, here's infinity, and here's the finite, and it's like, what? We still choose the finite. Yep. Like, clearly <laughs> infinity is bigger. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Shout out to all you math people out there. <laughs> <laughs> Which, I mean, not to t talk too much about the scandal stuff, but like when they talk about like focusing on relationship with Jesus, it's like as as crazy and all that this stuff is. It's like, well, you know, where is where is my relationship in Christ and all of this? And am I focusing on these kind of earthly things or? Can I at least talk to Jesus about it and open my heart to say, you know, what it is that, what what are those earthly things that are frustrating me or that are making me angry or making me upset, I guess, you know, am, am well, I having I, that conversation? Yeah. How can we give them over to God in some way? I mean, you know, sell what you have and give to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven. Like, how can we trust God so much that um, it'll be 
given back to us um, in some way. Mm-hmm. And that, that's terrifying. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely terrifying. Yeah. I mean, and the young man hears this and he goes away sad. <laughs> um, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I've been there. Yeah. I mean, I am there. It's, um, yeah, it's wild. Um, yeah. And just that yeah. image of like, if our hands are just like so tightly grabbing onto the things that we have, they're not open to receive the treasure. Like, you know, give away, sell what you have, give to the poor, and then you will have your treasure in heaven. It's like you can't receive the treasure until you've opened those hands that are just desperately holding on to the things that are just our our mm. little, you know, our comfort items. Yeah. I should probably want to go back and change my reflection questions earlier. It's like, like not just what are you holding on to, like what are you clutching on to? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, yes, Lord you know, you can have everything except this. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. don't ask for this because <laughs> yeah. that'll be really, really difficult for me. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, I already it's, know the uh, answer right now because I, I spend way too much time just consuming news. It's just so mind numbing and I can't, you know, but yet, I don't know. At the same time, it's like, it's just how I've been trained and that's something that I'm definitely working on because, um, it takes away from my relationships with my family. Why are you so quiet? <laughs> I'm, because I'm thinking about I'm thinking about a really amazing quote that I read the other day, and I'm not going to be able to pull it up in a timely manner. But it was basically um, the scene in the Lord of the Rings, and I'm not a Lord of the Rings person, so I'm going to butcher this. But about like taking when he's carrying the ring, and he he. Uh, I don't even know who it is, but he like wants to put it like wants to take it out and look at it and put it on and disappear. My precious. Yeah. And just like in like I was just reading the quote from the book to Joe and he immediately threw his phone across the room at me and was like, fine, fine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But just that idea of like, you know, he wants to put on the ring and become invisible. And that we were talking about like that happens when you take your phone out. Like I can be invisible if I take out my phone. And like, I sometimes I just want to take it out of my pocket just to make sure it's there. I just want to check it. Like those are the things that are being said about the ring. And that's, that's exactly how we feel about our phones. Oh man. Gotta go destroy the ring. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think we're afraid to be without them. I think like, it just comes down to like, are we, are we willing to give up the things that make us feel safe Mm -hmm. to come and follow Jesus? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, like it's uh, in some ways it's so simple. It's like, yeah, we're afraid of, of being disconnected. We're afraid of being out of touch. We're afraid of um, being unsafe or something like Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. Um, And like, it's actually really free to like leave your phone at home Mm -hmm. or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> it's it's I I try to like do uh um like a, I just turn my phone off on Sunday mornings and it's really it's really nice and no one ever tries to get in touch with me in general, <laughs> but less so on Sunday mornings. Uh, but it's uh you know, just like just knowing that that's off and you don't have to worry about it, it's uh it's really freeing. Yeah. yeah. Well the I don't know if you've updated your your iOS recently, but the new feature that lets you limit like how how much time you spend on an app or how much time you spend on a general category of apps, or even just that shuts down your phone. Like you know, you set it to like eleven o'clock. You know, nothing works at eleven o'clock, past eleven o'clock, and before you know seven o'clock or something like that. So 
that's been oh. it's only been a week but just playing with that and like kind of just little just it, as much as i can lose myself in it just a little poke at me to say hey you've been on this too long like mm-hmm. you know time to move on to something else for lent i gave up color on my phone <gasps> Same. last year that was great Whoa, i jumped on great. it it was it's hard. wild who started that? yeah who shared that yes first? it was floating around i got the idea from the internet they i need to get a shout out yeah, myself. maybe megan kurzita or yes another ace brilliant yes ace yeah. person. shout out to megan she she put that out there that was my source but, but just like the the stimul the color stimulation like i i found that i didn't even want to look at my phone anymore when it was black and white <laughs> it was not as much fun i was like well all right i guess i'll just turn it off do you do sundays do you just let the color fly on sundays I let the color fly, man. Yeah. And it's so dramatic. You're like, whoa, I'm like, color. I'm just Googling Skittles. On, uh, you know, it's like licking my phone, tasting a rainbow. Yeah. It's like the Wizard of Oz. Suddenly you're like, I'm over the rainbow. It's Sunday. Oh, my gosh. Practices. Yeah. It's thesis. It all comes back to asceticism. Oh, does it? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I went that route. That's, I mean, honestly, like we're joking, but like, um, that's kind of like one of the things that I had to give up in my life is like this idea that like some kind of ascesis would mm. make me a better person mm. or would give me, um, this surefire way to holiness or that like, you know, like God would only be pleased with me if I was mm. a priest or if I was a religious, mm-hmm. uh, it was a huge, huge, like freeing thing for me. Um, like this gospel, paired with um, Jesus calming the storm, which, I mean, it's so ripe and like ready for reflection. But the image that I had with Jesus calming the storm was Jesus not calming the storm. Um, But like me being on this boat and uh, like being kind of like, like ripped from the boat and like Jesus just saying like, just let go. Like, it'll be okay. Mm -hmm. And like abandoning the boat in the middle of a storm Mm -hmm. and like it being okay. Whew, we're gonna have to have you back for another episode for that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Gosh, that's there's a lot there. Uh okay. I wanna know <laughs> we're gonna shift gears. I wanna know your most absurd story from PJ. Mm. Just one of them? <laughs> like from the last week or from uh <laughs> Pick your best campfire story. What's your best oh, teaching gosh. story? So I taught at this school in Alabama and um, I had a pretty good pulse on like just about everything that happened in the school because I, I had my my fingers like, you know, just woven throughout the school. Like I I changed the sign in the front. So like I, you know, like I knew what was going on in the future and I was a baseball coach. So like I had a pretty good idea of what was happening in the athletic department. And, How are you, um, wait, time you, know, you, were in the, you were the janitor you said that earlier? How are you the yeah, janitor? Our, our janitor either got fired or got sick and um, like no one was cleaning the bathrooms. So I was like, well, this is bad. So I like clean the bathrooms after school, <laughs> like empty the trash cans and stuff. Oh man, um, you're so good. Well, it was no, I, I mean, talk about like, no, I was not, I was not good. I was, I, I was, uh, I did not do that joyfully. But <laughs> it, it needed done. It needed to done. Um, so best teaching story. So I coached this baseball team and, um, the way I tell it, I, and it's, this is true. It's not just the story, but it's, this is the truth. Um, I had not played baseball since eighth grade and I hadn't hit a baseball since seventh grade. Like I was terrible. 
at baseball. Um, so like, it wasn't like I gave up baseball because lacrosse was my better sport. Like, no, I was just terrible at baseball. Um, so didn't play baseball in high school, didn't play baseball in college, didn't really care much about baseball, but we had one kid named Daniel who had played baseball at another school and he wanted to start a baseball team. And I was a young and willing teacher. Um, so I'm like, yeah, let's start a baseball team. So we got some uniforms, wrote a grant. One of my friends from college like sent me a hundred bucks, um, which like at the time was a huge sum of money. I mean, it's still not an insignificant amount of money, but yeah. I was like, I, I could buy, I, I had three left-handed kids. Um, <laughs> and like, we didn't have gloves for them because like all the gloves we had were right-handed gloves. Oh, so, that is not um, in proportion to a nine. Oh my gosh. Nine people I know. Gloves. You think we would have capitalized on that, but, <laughs> but we did not. Um, so yeah. So I mean, it was just like this, um, just comedy of errors. And like in my mind, I had this idea of us being like, you know, like this, like made for TV movie about like how, you know, we take this, team from inner city Birmingham that practiced on this little postage stamp of land, like in between a BP gas station and interstate 20, um, you know, like, and we like went to the Alabama state championships, but like the reality of it was it that like the first game we had, um, I was the bus driver and the first and third base coach and the pitching coach and the batting coach. And, um, the first game we had was at St. Bernard and Coleman, Alabama. Oh, I'm sorry. It's pronounced St. Bernard. Continue. Excuse me. I'm sorry. I'm. I'm. Uh. I forgot that I'm talking to a Southern Belle. That's right. Here. It's Saint Bernard. Uh, but continue. Saint yes. I'm Bernard familiar. And Coleman, um, <laughs> which is like the field of dreams. Uh. And there's there were cows in the outfield, and like it was a real baseball field. And my kids, I realized, were pulling up to this thing about 20 minutes late for the game because <laughs> the school wouldn't let a, let they wouldn't let me take the kids out of school early and also I was teaching last period uh, and they, they wouldn't, they wouldn't have anybody cover my class. So, um, we had to like hustle right after school and we're, we show up 20 minutes late. And I, I realized that for most of my team, uh, which included one young lady, cause we didn't have enough outfielders. Um, they had never stepped on an actual baseball field. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it was just, it was wild. Um, and I hadn't stepped on a baseball field in a long time. And like, I mean, just so many funny things, but like before a baseball game, the teams, the, the coaches meet with the umpire who I kept calling ref. Uh, but <laughs> the coaches meet with the umpire for the ground rules. And like, that's where they talk about like, you know, ground rule doubles and all that stuff. And like, I just had no idea. So I just thought we were like introducing ourselves and I learned all this stuff and it was, it was just bizarre. But the first, the first kid who was up, um, I was so nervous for him. And, uh, I was like, don't swing, whatever you do, don't swing. He's like the littlest kid. And in the first pitch he swung and he hit, uh, he hit it. And I was kind of mad at him, but also really proud of him because <laughs> doggone it. He hit, he hit it and got on base and our season was off to a great start. And he yells across, I'm on base, I'm on base or something like that. I'm like, this is it. Um, so it was two years of baseball and we didn't win a game. Um, we got really close on the last game we played Parkview Christian and we lost, I think by three runs. Um, but I told the kids, I said, you know, if we win a game, I'll take you out for pizza. <laughs> <laughs> like, how can you not take your kids out for pizza after two seasons of just pouring their hearts out? And this last game, I mean, so many funny stories, but this kid who is a bigger fella, um, 
who couldn't play in some of the games because we didn't quite have a uniform that would fit him. Um, he was a great outfielder, um, and he could run forward and backward and catch the ball extremely well, like the most dependable outfielder. But if it was left or right, like end of story. Oh, no. uh, well, he got a little cocky when he was running the bases, and he got caught in a rundown oh, uh, between no. second and third and um, ended up needing his inhaler brought out to him. <laughs> oh, so funny so funny and then he like was like i can do this and he stole home plate it was it was uh it was wild yeah it was wild uh yeah so that was that was the holy family Cristo ray catholic high school tornadoes (laughs) go tornadoes we played uh we played a game in rickwood field which is uh where like the they played the negro leagues and like satchel page played at this and I like tried to use this in my, my pump up speech, which I am not a good pump up speech giver. <laughs> uh, I couldn't even take myself seriously. So like the kids were like, yeah, you know, whatever. Uh, great, great ballpark. Well, it was terrible because it was a professional ballpark and our catcher was so bad that every pitch basically was like an overthrow. Oh. Um, so people could just steal all around it. And the, the outfield was so deep that, that we just got shelled. I mean, it was like pitching batting practice for the other team. <laughs> But you tried hard. Oh, we tried so hard. But like, again, I could have tried harder probably like had I just like looked up, how do you like, had YouTube been a little bit more popular, I could have, I could have looked up like, how do you coach pitching? You know, like, like (laughs) little things like that. This was like 2009. So it's not like, I mean, you're also living in an ace house in Birmingham. So your internet was probably a little sketchy. We're just going to blame it on, you know, YouTube not having been really a thing right. at that point. Also, like, trying to teach. And, and you like, were trying to three teach? Pre- three preps, like, trying to be, like, a decent teacher. And a janitor. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, that was that was in the off season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what advice oh, would you give? I would watch that movie, by the way. <laughs> I would, I, yeah. I feel like I would just it watch that movie. I said it wasn't the bad news bears. It was the worst news bears. <laughs> Oh, man. But great group of kids. I love those kids so much. (laughs) Just in case they're listening. (laughs) So just to bring it home, what advice would you give to first-year teacher Brendan? If you could go back and give yourself a piece of advice now, what would you say? Uh, I would say to calm down. Um, Yeah, calm down. And, uh, you know, you don't have to do it all yourself, I think, would be my advice to myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I think you guys are familiar with the prayer, but the long view. The long view. Yes, we are. Uh, I mean, you know, like the whole idea of being a, a minister, not a messiah, and a, a craftsman, not a master builder. I mean, first year, Brendan wanted to, to do it all and wanted to save these kids from their ignorance of mathematics. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that wasn't wasn't what I needed to do and wasn't what the kids needed, but it was what I tried to do. So, yeah. That's great advice. Brennan, it has been a pleasure. It's always so good to catch up with you and chat, but all the more to talk about deep, important things. So we're so glad that you made yeah. time for us tonight. Well, thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Quite an honor. Yeah. Here on Kicking Off Season 2, the pilot, the pilot episode for Season 2 of The Long View. <laughs> you, isn't this the part where you tell them, like, tell the world what you're up to? Or Yeah, where can people find you? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um well, what are you, I don't know when you edit the thing this, you're promoting right now. You know the movie this, that you're in or the, the book uh, that you're promoting. This Sunday, uh, you can find me at the finish line of the Chicago Marathon. <gasps> no way! Uh, yeah, hopefully uh, in one piece and standing upright. Awesome! Wow. Yeah, awesome. That's pretty exciting. Yeah. Have you yeah. run a marathon before? You did Chicago before, didn't you? Yeah, I did Chicago and uh, I did the Columbus Marathon. 
Did you run so, Chicago but, the year it was super, super hot and people were like falling out? Yes, you yeah. did. Yes, I did. So it's going to be yeah. better this year, right? It is. Yeah. Although it's, uh, I haven't, I haven't checked the weather, but people keep telling me what the weather is because there's nothing I can do about it. So I don't want to stress out about it, but I think it's supposed to rain, unfortunately. So all right. Here's hoping for, for some sunshine on Sunday morning. Awesome. We'll turn your phone off yeah. when you're running, but, uh, we'll be, we'll be cheering you on. <laughs> awesome. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Hey friends. Thanks for joining us for this first episode of second season of The Long View. Just wanted to let you know that ACE applications are currently open for our Teaching Fellows Program, the ENL Program, and the REMIC Leadership Program, as well as several other uh, programs across the ACE continuum. If you're interested in finding out more about how you may join the ACE family, you can find applications online at ace.nd.edu. We'd love to connect with you on social media. You can find us on Twitter at Dallas Advocates or on Facebook at Dallas Ace Advocates. As always, we appreciate your ratings and reviews on iTunes, and we'll see you here next time on The Long View.